G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology TV, live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. Good evening to you, Finey. Good evening, Rowan. Another round of football. You can't predict it, you've just got to love it. Well, it's one of the great climaxes to a home and away season we've seen, I think, and for all the hand-wringing about the state of the game, whatever, you've got to admit, the, um, the last six or seven weeks have been pretty bloody good. I mean, really, you know, go back many, many years to a draft and a salary cap. This was probably what it was all about, and it makes sense. It's fantastic. Compare it to other sporting competitions around the globe, we're very fortunate. Now, the ladder, as you probably appreciate, is a very movable feast at the moment, and it's moved some more after this weekend's results. So let's run through it. After round 21, Richmond out on top, 64 points, and a very good percentage, 139.7 West Coast second on 60 points, just about locked away that top two spot now. They're six points ahead of GWS, who are third on 54. Their percentage irrelevant because of that draw they had. Hawthorne, the Hawks, you just can't write them off, as Peter McKenna used to say. They have snuck into fourth place, the Hawks, 52 points and a percentage of 121.2. Collingwood hanging in there, the Pies, admirably hanging in there, 52 points. 118.3. Sydney, great win by the Swans today over Melbourne, which we'll talk about. Also on 52 points, 109.7. Melbourne, costly loss, 48 points. Good percentage, though, 130.5. Might save them. Port Adelaide, just hanging on now, 48 points, 113.9. Outside the eight, Geelong, 44 points. A game out, but with two very winnable games to come against Fremantle and Gold Coast, both at GMHBA Stadium. Their percentage, 117.2. North Melbourne, another costly loser this weekend. 44 points, 109.1. And dare I say it, Finey, Essendon, 44 points, 104.8. Massive task for them, of course. Got to beat Richmond next week, Port Adelaide in Adelaide, but not without a chance. What do you make of that? Look... What a finish to the season. The two teams in 7th and 8th are vulnerable. Uh, Melbourne head to West Coast. Very tough appointment next game. And then GWS in the last game. Port Adelaide, no Dixon now for the rest of the year. Ryder, question mark. And difficult games as well, in as much that they've got Collingwood, tough to beat, and the Bombers. North blew it. Oh, look, it, it's Geelong would have thought maybe their um, chances were blown with that Narrow loss, but they're not blown. No, they're not. No, I've I've got the making now. Do you want to hear my latest ladder predictor? I've got. uh, All right. Well, I've got the top four. Actually, no, I haven't got the same top four. I've got Richmond, West Coast. I've got the Pies getting into third spot. GWS claiming that fourth spot. I've got the Hawks in fifth, uh, but that's predicated on them losing that last game to Sydney at the SCG, which obviously may not happen. Sydney in 6th, I've got the D's hanging on in 7th, I've got Geelong 8th, missing out finally, I've now got Port Adelaide and North Melbourne, both missing on percentage, both with 13 wins. How stiff are you if you win 13 games and don't make the A? Well, it's probably going to happen, but more power to your ladder predictor, because it gives us another Hawthorne-Geelong epic, and in the first week of the finals, I think you've got Hawthorne and Geelong playing. Correct. Correct. That would be an elimination final. So, so, yeah, let's just presume on the off chance this actually comes right. Our first finals would be two qualifying finals. Richmond playing GWS, replay of the preliminary final last year. West Coast Collingwood, they've had some good final stouches. That would be a ripping game. Hawthorne would play Geelong and Sydney would play Melbourne. They've played in finals too, haven't they? Back all the way 1987, I think. The Demons smashed them. Anyway, that's uh, none of that probably is going to happen given how well I've been tipping this year, but I thought it was worth doing the exercise. Does it, does it just quickly play into Richmond's hands every week now? Yes. 
West Coast, obviously, are down to probably their two most effective players, really, Natanui and Gaff. Collingwood, so many injuries. Yep. GWS now getting struck down. Yep. Richmond just sit there smoking the old corn cob pipe. I said this on Mangrook during the week. This is the year of the reverse Bradbury. We've got a front runner out, miles in front, and uh, all the contenders behind are, are smashing into each other and doing untold damage. Very remiss of me once again to say to, we want your input, big feature of this show, so you can see the live stream there. Get on, leave your comments, your questions, your heckles, your gratuitous gags. They're within reason. We'll try and get to them all. Heaps of talking points from the weekend's footy. No shortage of talking points, Fanny. All right, let's get into it. It's time now for the wraparound. Sort of let that play out. Makes me feel a bit more important. Air guitar fans, that's, I think, the next... That's the next bit. That's more the air keyboard, and I don't do air keyboard. Okay. All right, uh, some huge games this week. Let's start with the Battle of the Titans, finally. Another chapter in this incredible and storied rivalry. Hawthorne, Geelong, and the Hawks coming out on top. 10-11-71, defeating Geelong, 8 Twelve sixty, and we do have a score graphic for that somewhere. Are we? Uh... There it is. I'll just give that again. Hawthorne ten eleven seventy one. I'm like the model from the Price Is Right. Defeated Geelong eight twelve sixty. Um, here, here. here. <laughs> uh, what'd you make of it? Oh, so many talking points. I mean, Gary Ablett for the second week in a row. This time to draw level has a kick six points the difference, uh, about 100 seconds left on the clock. And again, the player that arguably was best on ground didn't quite fulfil the contract. No slur on Gary Ablett, just, you know, it just shows how hard it is at the end of a gruelling game. But the Warpedo, an unlikely uh, four-quarter performer, just a, a a breakout game for somebody that has lived in the shadows for most of his football life. I thought it was a bit of a replay of the first clash this year in that Hawthorne looked to have it and then Geelong came with a rush. And they had their chances again, didn't they? Uh, Parsons missed a very gettable one. Yes. Hawkins missed an even more gettable one. Yeah. Um, you know what I, what I think stands the Hawks, or what stood them in good stead in this game and will continue to over the course of the finals? I reckon they have more cool-headed players under pressure than virtually any other team. And I speak of Gunston, I speak of Bruce, I speak of Burgoyne, yep. Stratton. Um, Liam Shields. Liam Shields. I mean, they, they just they do the right thing at the right moment. And that is going to be crucial, this final series particularly, I think. Uh, you mentioned James Warpole. Boy, he's, he's becoming a really good player really quickly. How good was that... Um, that one where he almost picked it off Joel Selwood's boot, spun around, gave off the handball. I can't remember who kicked the goal in the end, but uh, he's he's a gun. And how about Hardwick? Uh, Terrific. Worst mullet I've ever seen. Well, you know, he, he and Stratton are having a bit of a, um, a fun mullet off. Yeah, well, Eddie, credit to Eddie. It was a good line during the call. He said they're off to the uh, 1970s Akadaka concert at Festival Hall. Um, but their defence is um, re- also really cool under pressure. Yeah, they've, uh, they show trust in certain players. Um, look, take a guy like Harry Morrison, um, obviously slated for bigger things, and he will be later on in his career, I think, something pretty special, but they got him back in the team last week. So I don't think that they've really... Um, diverted from the long-term plan. No. I thought it was interesting this week. They dropped White Cross for... I think a, he was crook. I think White no, Cross was, was crook, crook. Okay. yeah. But it was a first game. Again, they, um, they're not scared to blood players. And look, Geelong, they can take great store out of the game as well because they've got now a new raft of players, a new group of players, and once again, that never-say-die attitude. And it was not left to Ablett. Selwood and Dangerfield, they were key players, don't mm. get me wrong. I thought Menegola was fantastic. We know that Kelly's been a revelation. and There was, this game, different faces, but the same absolute 
will to win by both teams. It sets them above most clubs. All right, the other difference between the two sides, though, I think, and we keep saying this about Geelong, the bottom six. I think Hawthorne get more out of their bottom six than perhaps the Cats do. Yeah, that that's true. But when you think that some of that bottom six has a purpose, like <clears throat> Markle, I mean, they need speed, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And they will persist with that player. Reece Stanley was a loss for them prior to the game. Now, I know that Roughhead pulled out as well, but they, you know... Then dropped back a bit. Of course, um, Smith... Um, Stanley injured during the game. Uh, during the game, yeah. sorry. Uh, but they, you know, where do they go to with their rucking now? Well, I think Stanley's the, the man, but uh, I, I'm, I didn't. I must admit I didn't hear the wash-up of that calf injury, but you go back to Zach Smith. I think he's been playing pretty well in the VFL. Yep. Our first comment tonight, uh, Craig Williams. Thoughts on Jay Gromira building nicely and starting to make the trade worthwhile. Well, it was a silky finish, wasn't it? As uh, you just get uh, redressed here. Probably Say good day to Andrew, everyone, who's. Uh, we do do we. Ah, uh, okay. I'm going to plug you. Do you check? Okay, I'll just keep talking about Jager O'Meara. Uh, so, Jager O'Meara wasn't plugged in, of course. Jager O'Meara, yeah, I think uh, it's starting to pay off. And their midfield, which I think was a, a, an issue with depth. He's now starting to look the goods. I mean, Mitchell, obviously, the number one man there. But Shields always gets the job done without much fuss. Warple's really added to it. Yep. Amira, a bit more silk. It's got a nice balance about it now, I think. And, you know, we often talk about Hawthorne. And we should mention Paul Puopolo has returned after what seemed to be a couple of years in decline to be a very important player for them. And, you know, his, his role in that final ceiling goal should not be underestimated. All right, let's move on. Uh, another massive game on Saturday night. And uh, as they say, Finey, it was deja vu all over again. <laughs> Port Adelaide, West Coast. The Eagles leading for the only time in the game after the final siren. Nine goals, eight, 62. Beat the power, nine, four, 58. And what Luke Shuey did in the elimination final last year, Jeremy McGovern did this time. Instant replay and... Uh, Hard to believe they allowed that to happen. And also, after having allowed it to happen against the Crows in the showdown, they just have an incredible knack of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, the power. Well, two weeks in a row, 10 points, seemingly the game iced in a low-scoring affair. And this time, I think 44 seconds, the clock showed yep. with a 10-point Just lead. before Lacroix kicked the Correct. goal, yeah. There were more extenuating circumstances this week, of course, support with the loss of players during the game. And yeah. I ask you, Charlie Dixon is important both on the scoreboard and he's talismanic, isn't he? Because <clears throat> yep. he's such a powerful forward that the smaller forwards feed off him and feed off his energy. He won't be seen again this year. Can't can't go anywhere in September without him. That, yep. for me, is a backbreaker for the power. And I've been, I've championed them most of a season. But also, big question marks on Ryder, too. He's done that hip yep. flexor injury now about, I think, about three times. You have to have a, a key forward presence of some sort. I mean, even Richmond last year had one in Rewalt. Who have they got now to play that role? West off. I, that's not his role, though, is it? Not really, no. No. No, I, I think that's a backbreaker for them. Conversely, the Eagles, now I reckon the suspension of Andrew Gaff's probably the thing that tips them over the edge too in terms of being able to win it. However, as good as booked a top two spot and a home final with the possibility of a home preliminary final should they win. They'll start favourite in both those games if, if they win the first. West Coast at home start favourite. Yeah, correct, correct. But come grand final day, you know, can you can West Coast win a grand final on the MCG without Nat Nui, without Gaff? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. Well, I wouldn't have thought so either. And it's a pity because I, I think they've been fantastic this year. In fact, I, I think, I mean, you wouldn't say they're the untold story, but I think they've been richly underestimated right throughout this season. I'm not sure why, really. Yeah, look... I mean, Liam Bryan took a great mark, but he was barely sighted. Mm. Willie Rioli not sighted. Yet they found a way to win without Kennedy. It was admirable, and it remains admirable. And we should make mention of Lysette and the job that he's doing. I, I, I know Ryder was not right, but mm. Lysette stood up so far, hasn't he? Oh, he has. And credit to their midfield, too, without Gaff. Clearly mm. their number one midfielder, but 
Redden again, I thought really important. Yeah. Dom Sheed, really good. Maston, Marston, I'll never get my head around yeah. that. Um, but, Much maligned at times. Yeah, correct. But they all stood up, all yep. among the Eagles' best. Yes. Uh, Shuey, of course, is a star. And, 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 and Yo uh, bobbed up as well. So um, they've had a great year. And unfortunately, you just can't help but feel. And I think they've, they've put that travel uh, or, or road uh, weakness on the road allegation, blown that to the shizen, really. Their record on the road this year has been great. Tony... TC has said through, and this is really interesting discussion because I know you're a rep for Port's backline. At Port's last quarter, defensive efforts show that they're not ready yet. Your thoughts? Uh, I th- yeah, I, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't pin it on their backline. I'd pin it on their midfield. I thought their midfield really... Uh, I mean, how many times in that last quarter did West Coast get out the back yep. and have players spare? And that comes down to the work rate of your midfield. And Port's midfield that's as deep as anyone's. Where where were the likes of Boke, Ebert, Wines when it mattered? Yeah. In fact, McGovern took that last mark opposed to Ebert. So yeah. I don't know how that happened either, really. And Tom Clory played a really good game. Yeah. Um, Although he... Um, I, you know what I'm going to say here? His awareness... Look... Well, I, he, I, he took a mark in that last yeah, minute and could have just chipped back. No, his awareness of the time yeah. was startling almost. Yeah. Or his lack of awareness. Yeah, and I just wonder who the who the I know that they've got really good players down there, Jonas Clurie. I mean these are these are fine footballers. Who do you, who leads the back line in terms of voice and would be the senior man? I would have thought it's Jonas. Yeah. Um but you know, they lost a couple of generals of that back line in uh, Hartlett and uh Broadbent as well. So you know, they they've had to um they've had to sort of do a patch up job and they've done really well, but Those two games will be the games that I think Seaport missed the eight. Just one last observation. Now, I know Pal Pepper hasn't had a great season. He was dropped for this game. And I just felt that that bull would have been handy. Another bull would have been handy in the conditions. Yeah. Um, Peter Brudenall says, what about an analysis of Port's recruits? And you're talking, I I presume, primarily, you mean Rockcliffe, Watts and Motlop. Yep. Um, Watts, overall, disappointing. Motlop, I thought, had been getting better the longer the season went. Rockcliffe, ditto. Rockcliffe played sometimes a role that we are less aware of as football watchers. But Watts and Motlop are judged solely by their scoreboard impact. Yeah. And these big games in tough conditions, they have not stood up. They've had, a, they've had a good enough season and been in a good enough position to be almost top four this year. Though That lack of coolness in the crisis will be what costs them, and that doesn't come down to personnel. It comes down to psychology. So you have to wonder about the um, the mental fragility of that side, I guess. I did watch that game and thought that that team would be far less a team without Pollock. Oh, he's they a good must, player. They must retain him. Yeah, no, he's a really good player. I've yep. always liked Jared Pollock. All right, let's move on. MCG this afternoon. Another massive game with huge consequences. Um, some really sad news about Alex Johnson, which I think you're going to cover off yeah, on in Hot or Not. So, uh, yeah, thoughts with Alex and uh, all those close to him because uh, no one should have to go through the sort of bad luck he seems to ritually suffer. But the result, and I guess given that obstacle pretty early on in the game too, great win by the Swans, who uh, looked like they were really under the pump at one stage, early in that second quarter, but six goals in the second quarter to one uh, really gave them the edge, turned around. A, they're about three and a half goals down from memory. Yeah. And then another six goals in the third quarter to four. And uh, then classic Swans didn't kick a goal in the last quarter and yet held on by nine points and just controlled the ball in those crucial last sort of five to ten minutes. What a game. Melbourne, you know, the closer they get to... The promised land, the more they look like Melbourne. Oh, we talked about the reverse Bradbury. How many teams are there in this competition that have a very unhappy knack of shooting themselves in the foot? Oh, this was this was a bullet self-inflicted. At halftime, three goals, 12. But that wasn't as bad as the fact that when they were conceding points, they were then allowing the ball to travel far too easily mm. coast to coast. There were too many on, on what should have been a difficult afternoon for ball movement. 
Sydney found space and freedom that they've been dying for and almost missing at the SCG this year. They they look good in tra- transition, Sydney. Mm. I reckon for the first time of the year, and that's in, an indictment on Melbourne. I, I don't know what it is about the Demons. I, I thought that they just made some really dumb decisions, but it was gone right. Oh, I, there was speculation during the week. Yeah, he looked, he looked okay to me. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, you know what the, the most damning stat about the Demons, and you can't escape it, they are now 0-7 and seven against top nine teams this year. Mm. So they've lost eight games to the year. Seven of those have been against sides in that top nine. The other one to St Kilda by two points or whatever it was. But that is more than a one-off, isn't it? That is a very obvious trend. And, and you have to think that should they hang on to a final spot, and that's by no means a given either. I mean, they've got West Coast in Perth next week and GWS at the G in round 23. They have to win at least one of those two, or they, they'll miss out. When you have a look at their performance today, I thought Brayshaw was outstanding. Yeah, he's yeah. been in really good form, actually. Um, Tyson was pretty good. One of his best games. Yeah, Vander- ha- Vanderberg- Harms is all right. Vanderberg kicked three, Harms. Yeah. Petrarca, Hogan. This was a time for these top-line young footballers to get them over the line. I thought Clayton Oliver played a really good game again. He is always in there and doing the hard things. To me, Petrarca and Hogan were looking to do something spectacular, and because the ball didn't fall their way, they didn't do enough. Uh, A couple of things you haven't mentioned. Do you like Isaac Herney's mark? Yeah. Is that the mark of the year? Um. Mark of the Year is not quite as spectacular as Goal of the Year this year, is it? No, maybe not, but I think that one comes pretty right, close. Yeah, right up there. Uh, look, that was a great mark, but um, so was an important... Was it Will Haywood who took that great mark in the last quarter? Whereabouts? In the pocket? In the forward line? Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, th- these things are, for Sydney, these are changing times. Uh, speaking of small forwards, you know a guy who I reckon is hugely important to the Sydney equation, and we've talked about their forward line being so one-dimensional, this guy changes the balance of it and was hugely important today, Tom Papley. Yeah, I love a small forward. You know they're going to kick a goal before they kick it. They're almost in their celebration as they're kicking it. Yeah. And and he just he was confident today going for goal. It reminds me a bit of Fantasia. You know, he knows he's about to kick a goal. Uh, Josh Maher says Suns have beaten more top nine teams than the Ds. Have they? They beat North in the first game of the season. What were the Suns' other wins? Well, they beat Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Yep. Very good point, Josh. I think Josh is a Sydney man from memory, actually. Yeah, this is, uh, for Melbourne, this is a cause of great frustration because it's going to cost them a chance for top four. Well, these those two teams, this is how critical it was. Melbourne's last two against West Coast and GWS doesn't get a lot harder than that at the moment. Sydney's last two, GWS and Hawthorne, doesn't get a lot harder than that. So um, both those teams could still miss out in the eight. Yeah, Both have to win at least one of those two to get there, I would suggest. Are you surprised Newman couldn't make that team for 15 weeks? Newman. Um, yeah, they've got, they've got a lot of players that are around his sort of mark, I reckon. Yeah. Although Hewitt was one of them and he's taken a step up. And... and- just when you thought that their ship was listing, almost sinking, Alir has made a huge difference. Oh, he's been great. He was really good again today. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on. Friday night, Essendon St Kilda, Etihad Stadium. Uh, pretty routine win to the Bombers in the end. 18-14, 1-22, defeated St Kilda, 11-13-79. Um, couple of these are our respective teams. So if, I'll, I'll, give time, Essendon, I'll give you a few Essendon yep. observations. The forward line is ticking over beautifully. They kicked 16 goals last week and lost. 18 this week. Really good spread of goal kickers. They had 10 individual goal kickers last week. Nine this week. Um, we'll get to Anthony McDonald, Tip and Wooty. But I like the balance of talls, mediums and smalls in that forward line. Um, midfield has really gone to another level since the emergence of Kyle Langford and the return to the side of David Myers, who's playing the best footy of his yeah, career. Yep. So hats off to you, Dave. He's a terrific bloke too and, and deserves a bit of uh, a change of fortune. Zach Merritt, 
second half of the season has just been outstanding. Heppel was great. Uh, always midfielders have really led from the front during this revival, which has now seen them win nine games out of 12. Now, one point I'd make quickly, I heard a lot of commentary after the game around the theme of what a wasted season because of that start. Now, I understand that. They only won two of their first eight games. In a funny sort of way, though, I'm with my supporters hat on, I'm not that fussed about it now whether they make it or not because I think it took them that long to get Stringer and Saad and Smith to fit seamlessly into that equation. I was having a chat to a couple of Essendon um, insiders during the week and they think that that process took longer than they anticipated. And a lot of it has to do with how the rigidity with which a lot of guys coming in from other clubs are coached. This is really interesting and I think Essendon probably allows a bit more individual flair in the way they attack than perhaps some other clubs do. And I think that took a bit of getting used to. I think um, the Carlton loss was a real line in the sand moment and the moment where the midfield really sort of drew the line and said, we've got to work harder defensively. And I think now that they've crossed that bridge, I see this year's side, despite the fact that last year they made the finals and this year they didn't, I see this year's Essendon as having a lot more substance than last year's. And whether they make the eight or not, I think they're going to be a big player next year. Yeah, my, I think the only concerns for Essendon, I agree, I don't think this is a wasted year at all. Three excellent recruits. I compare them to the three at Port. Uh, there are some bottom six <clears throat> players at Essendon that probably need to be replaced for Essendon to be a serious contender, not just a, a, a player for the eight. Um, I don't know Aaron Francis's future. It's great to see him out there. I think Collier can be superseded. Sorry, Trav. And maybe a couple of others. Is there depth within the club to replace them? I, I, I liked what I've seen of Guelphy this year. Oh, he's been really good. No, there's a few. Um, Rid I, Ridley's one, Redmond's another one. Where do you mark Parrish? I'm, uh, I'm not certain. Yeah, no, his last month has been really yep. good. Back to sort of where he was in okay. 2000. Give us a very quick word on the Saints. Well, if you missed their loss to the Bulldogs, don't worry. You played exactly the same game against Essendon. You know, there was a point in that second quarter where St Kilda were clearly on top. And at that point, they were missing very easy shots at goal. And Essendon would, would were probably satisfied to go in at halftime in front. Then they could see a sniff of maybe two goals in front. It ended up four goals in front. St Kilda never recovered. They showed little character after that. There are some good signs for St Kilda. You know what? I've liked the games of Nathan Freeman. He needs more time playing in the ones, but he yeah. reads the game well. Yeah. And he did some things that were smarter than what most St Kilda players do. All right, we've got to move on okay. very quickly from Jaso. You don't want to discuss the incident that was much talked about? Brown and... Oh, no, not really. Um, other than to say Brown will get at least two. And it was, oh, three, I think he should get. Look, look, he's a Collingwood man. It was late. It was <laughs> incredibly late. Um, JSO <laughs> says, how much will the AFL like the fact that Dons and Swans won with limited rotations this week in light of potential changes to number of interchanges in the coming seasons? Makes it easier to sell, doesn't it? And GWS last week. That's a really good point. Really good point, JSO. You win this week's uh, reader participation prize, which... Is actually nothing. Or maybe I'll think of one next week. I know this, I, I, I love Brendan Goddard and really glad that it wasn't a serious injury. But you looked no worse without him in that back line. No, no. I, I think um, if I was making the call, I'd be gently persuading him to uh, to finish up this year. All right, let's move on. And Jack Rewalt defeated Gold Coast up at Metricon Stadium. Uh, no, I, I'm taking the you-know-what. Richmond, 19-11-125, smashed the Suns, 7-9-51. Of course, Jack kicked uh, 10. Biggest bag we've seen this year, Finey, and he's uh, fair to say his teammates were giving him every assistance possible in that last quarter, which shows you just how uh, long the result had been put to bed. Almost 30 possessions, 10 goals, 6. Unfortunately, Gold Coast, with a young team, and key players not playing, and obviously the wrench that is the Tom Lynch situation um, have, again, you know, that is a club of coach killers. It is a destination of clubs and killers, you know. There are not many happy stories, re Gold Coast, 
and sporting teams and coaches and players and I'm not saying that you you know pull up stumps and leave but I, I I'm not saying they're cursed either but they just don't have an identity that is anything worth worrying about at the moment. <clears throat> it was a nice day. It always is up there. Well, they, this time of year. They are the sons of the Gold Coast sky. Yeah. Yep. Uh, run, run, run. I don't know. It's been so long since I heard them sing it. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Etihad Stadium, Saturday evening. Collingwood, uh, fairly routine win in the end. 14-20. Hey, it's the old 3XY call sign. 14-20, 3XY. They changed from 14-20 okay. to 14-22. Yep. Only, only people our age would remember that. How stupid of me. 14 20, 104 defeated Brisbane, 11 7, 73. Oh, Brisbane. I thought it was a good game. Right in there till half time. But uh, once the Pies got a few goals up, you sort of could see the writing on the wall, couldn't you? Dugowie, he's a class act, isn't he? Four goals for Dugowie. Three to Majacek. Keeps proving his worth in that side. Um, three to Hipwood for the Lions. Adams, very good for the Pies. Grundy, what a fantastic season he's had. And the usual suspects, Sidebottom, Pendlebury. Uh, Beams, Hodge, Berry, Witherden, Hipwood and Martin for the Lions. Yeah, I, I don't like the way Witherden played last night. He shouldn't have been in the best players. Gathering possessions because you're the best kick in the team means you need to kick the ball properly, not around corners. He slaughtered it a few times, trying to be smart. He was actually... In their worst six, not in their best six, but if you're looking at stats, then stats will be the deciding factor. Oh, I really enjoyed the game because Collingwood have got a lot of players out. You know, they've got half, a, almost a team out. So they're oh, pretty. They're a pretty good side for a bottom four side lines, aren't they? Very good. You know, yeah. and Oxley hadn't played since 2016, <clears throat> so he comes back. Then you've got guys like Mycheck, who's a great story. Remember, he came to the team as a defender, really. Yeah. Uh, Braden Sear. Yeah. They're a, a mag, magian. Yeah, magian. Oh, gee, there's a, a lot of players there that wouldn't have imagined playing senior football. So Imagine all the people. M- magian, yeah. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll say, I think Hollywood has shown great character this year. And it was an enjoyable game of football to watch. Brendan, uh, uh, Jordan Goey kicked four goals for. Yeah. His effort in the first quarter and a half was insane. He was behaving like a, uh, he was behaving like a suburban st- staff. Well, he was trying to kick around, got, jumping for marks that weren't there. He finally got his focus back, but gee, he was silly in the first quarter and a half. Tony TC has chimed in with 3XY, roll over Rocktober. I Very, remember Rocktober. Well, the first concert I ever went to was Thin Wizzy. As part of October at the Maya Music Bowl, October 1978. Was it 3XY that had the top 40 music charts that you picked up from Brashes yeah. each week? Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Let's not descend into this music stream of consciousness. Right. We'll never get off it. All right. Calm uh, down. <laughs> let's, let's get on with it. Where were yep. we? Uh, uh, that was Collingwood, Brisbane. Yep. Okay, next on our list. Let's get to... We have GWS... Defeating Adelaide by 14 points. Hard-fought win, 15-16-106. Defeated the Crows, 13-14-92. I always felt like the Giants were going to win, but the Crows, the Crows hung tough. They did. It was a slog, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. The conditions were... It was very cold in Canberra, but they reckon it was still. Both teams were just at each other, and the, the game didn't progress. And to be honest, if Taylor Walker wasn't completely done like a dinner, they could have won that game. What he man done like? Oh, he, he was—he kicked a goal after the siren at the end of the game, with his fourth kick. He took a mark thirty seconds before that, and for the other hundred or so minutes, he was a liability. In fact, he was so out of sorts; he was getting in the way. It was sad to to watch him is so he, out of touch. Is his season over? Courtesy of the sling tackle, oh, semi-sling tackle. If they should really... It, I didn't think it was a sling tackle. No, actually, either do I. If, if, if it's only a fine, they should appeal it and try and get him some weeks because he's done. Imagine <laughs> that. We don't want the 1,500. We want two weeks because yeah. he's got he's got to hit the showers, that boy. Reckon? Oh, I'm yeah. S- still have him in my best 22. No, I'm saying, but he's just so out of sorts. It was It's unfortunate for him. Well, let's talk about the Giants. Um, Mark Chapman says, probably GWS, the Tigers' biggest danger. No, it's still West Coast for me. Although... Mm. Well, Hawthorne for mine. But they're both, they're both injury-wracked, aren't they? And this yeah. is the thing with GWS. They lose another one, Heath Shaw. Yeah. And the prognosis he gave on that was uh, six weeks minimum. So mm-hmm. if we see him again, it won't 
be unless they make the preliminary, well, probably at least second week of the finals. Reed's important. He's now out for weeks. He is. Uh, and who else have you got? Scully won't play. Williams won't play. Patton won't play. Have you got anyone else to Dawson come back? Simpson not playing till the finals at best. The, oh, they were just, Kelly went off. Canilio looked sore. No, yet, yet they going. won. <laughs> yet they won. I'm going to get a bit more searching with my uh, comment selection. We want the, we want better than that. You, you know who's not talked about a lot because they've got so many star players? Who's that? Is Hopper. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a beauty. You yeah. him at your, oh, he's hard club, at it. Or my club. Yeah. But, but can a GWS any sort of chance without some of those no. injured... No, I don't think so either. They don't have a Ruckman. No, and their forward, their forward setup looks a bit. Oh, Green's the obvious one now. Yep. How many? So he's going to miss oh, at least the end of the home and away round. His season's been ruined. Yeah, yep. yeah. Don't reckon they can win it without their best lineup on the park. Yep. All right. Well, uh, maybe adversity is what they need. Those silver tails. Well, maybe. Maybe. Well, they try to become a more defensively steely side this year, I think, and it was yeah. sort of. It's sort of inhibited them a bit. I reckon that since they've gone back to a more free-flowing sort of game, they've they've looked a lot better. But you can't... I mean, it's Collingwood and GWS, it's sort of a pity in, in a way, isn't it? Some of these sides, the amount of good players they've got out, you actually would give them half a chance against the Tigers, but not without their best personnel in the park. All right, uh, another great game that Eddie had today. I really enjoyed this game too. Western Bulldogs, 13-14-92. Defeated North Melbourne 12 13 85. Bitter blow for the Roos, oh. who, who now have to. They've got St Kilda in the last game, but I think to make it, they're going to have to beat Adelaide in Adelaide next week as well, which is easier said than done. Um, and hope for results to go their way. Yeah, they. they uh, Brad Scott would be spitting ships to Yeah, no, they, they blew it, didn't they? They were oh. 27 points up, I think. 28, up, yeah, yeah. 28 at half time, I think. Um, having kicked seven goals in the second quarter. And uh, what happened? They, unfortunately, allowed Bontempelli... For the second week in a row, Bontempelli started quietly against St Kilda. They allowed him into the game by not attending to him around stoppages in the forward line. And then he became an irrepressible force, as he can do. They paid no attention to a move for Caleb Daniel from on ball to, yeah, a, he loose, was to a little Lucy in the back line now. He doesn't kick long, but he hits a target and can set up play. So they really didn't bother about that too much. He was terrific. I thought Lockie Hunter was pretty good today. Yeah, and and they what the Western Bulldogs did. Look, they had a lot of ball in that first half, but they kept bombing it forward to a very tall backline. Magic Door, Thompson, and they were taking intercept marks. As was Tarrant. Yeah. As was Wright. Yeah. So they lowered their eyes. And it was no surprise that they quickly worked themselves back in the game. Now, that last quarter was torture for North Melbourne. It, it was torturous because, you know, they just could not connect up forward. Ben Brown, who kicked three in the third quarter, they just couldn't connect with him. Well, one goal three for last quarter. And Bulldogs yeah. only kick one goal themselves. Yeah. That, that, that is the loss they will rue more than most, I think. Mushy says, what about the dogs? Won't stay on the bottom for too long. Looking for a massive rebound next year. Hold your fire, Mushy. We're about to do hot or not. You will hear more about your comment during hot or not. I didn't realise it. Let's move on to the last game of the round. And uh, we'll dispense with this one reasonably quickly. Freo, after a decent start by Carlton. Fremantle, 15-11-101. Defeated Carlton pretty comfortably in the end, 10-12-72. Three to McCarthy, finding a bit of form belatedly. Two to Cox, two to Ballantyne. The Blues, Charlie Curnow, two right, two McKay, two. Lockie Neal, possession machine that he is, 34 touches for the Dockers. Ed Langdon, having a pretty good season, 31. Mundy, having a pretty good season too for a veteran, 28. Uh, Cripps, as you'd almost expect, 32 for the Blues. Daisy Thomas, 30. What else could we say about that game? You know, the five or six players that can play, played, got a lot of the ball. The ruck battle was, gee, Darcy played terribly. Lobie actually beat him. And for the rest of the game, for the bits that I saw at least, I've I've got to say that Fremantle have got so many players that are 
They're not even bit part players. Nondescript. They're just sort of there to run the ball out of bounds. And <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, you know, 25 to 30, 38 and 25. And you're a hack number 30. You're David, what? You're not even going to credit them with names? Well, I, I think um, Ryan, who's a good player, got injured. Yeah. Um, I think there was a Nye House hanging around there. That Cox, geez, out of sorts. Um, I, thought he's been, yeah, I thought he's been all right for him this season. No, he has been, but he was he was out of sorts in this particular game. That's the winning. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a really good that's, gratuitous the, that's game the winning game. side. Yeah, I know. We we don't give Freo enough respect on the show. I suspect, but I'm not convinced by this rebuild, Forney. Yeah, and Carlton and Carlton coming out of the back line. Well, this was actually good tactic by Freo. When in doubt, just get the ball to a Carlton backman. He'll centre it, and then, <laughs> and then you'll get a shot at goal. Well, 10 goals to three after half-time, so they got on top. Yep. Uh, what if, oh, no, I didn't even write down what either of these sides have got in the last two games, but uh, fair to say both of them probably want to wind up season 2018 pretty soon. If, and I've got to say, if Ross Lyon rolls his eyes any more than he did during this game in the <laughs> cutaway shots, he'll end up with some sort of stigmatism. All right, that is the end of the wraparound. Time now, finally for air guitar and hot or not. Young children today, I don't know what we're going to do with them. Oh, jeez, I've got vertigo. Um, <laughs> you're getting vertigo playing air guitar. <laughs> I'm tisking. All right. My hot, first hot. Is, hang on, oh, that's better. <laughs> Anthony McDonald Tippen Wooty uh, started off this season pretty poorly, finally. In fact, so poorly there were questions about whether he deserved his spot in the best 22. His last month has been terrific. Um, Essendon's forward pressure was really lacking early in the season. His return to form has been a major part of that, along with Orazio Fantasia coming back into that side. But we all know it's all about forward pressure these days. And boy, does this guy help lock the ball inside that forward 50. Um, five goals, career best for him, 15 disposals, seven tackles. And he does what Eddie Betts does. He just makes opponents, and, and Rioli, uh, Cyril Rioli, deeply lamented Cyril Rioli, he makes opposition defenders break out in a cold sweat because he's always on your tail. And uh, it's that... Um, implied pressure, I think, as much as the actual pressure he applies, which gets him into trouble. So he's a really important part of that Essendon side. Starting to spend a bit more time through midfield as well. I don't know if he's ever going to be a, like a first-call midfielder. Hasn't got the tank for it. But like Rioli, the time he goes in there, he can be really valuable. So it was a terrific game by him. His hands and... I think the key to him being an all-round good player is good hands because at the start of the year he was quite fumbly. Yeah. Oh, his hands were gold yeah. on Friday night. He's harder to tackle than a year 11 algebra equation. I was good at algebra. Yeah, for idiots. For, for maths, not... Did you do special maths, like maths 2? No, I did... Uh, year 11 I did... They called it maths 1 and maths 2. Yeah. Yeah, no. For me, very hard to tackle those problems. Yeah, OK. He's just... Impossible to tackle. He's a ripper. He's yeah. a ripper. Yeah, and his kicking's come good too. His kicking had been a little bit off, but he was uh, straight yeah. as a die. Five straight on Friday evening. Well done, Tipper or Waller, whichever uh, nickname you prefer. Your turn. Uh, pretty easy, this one. Hot. Hawthorne versus Geelong. They are such great games. Hawthorne seemed to have the game won, and that was all right because I just knew it. Geelong would come back and, and make it a close last 10 minutes. Such is the nature of these two teams. I know this much, and this is an absolute guarantee about Hawthorne and Geelong. If they play in a final, there's no fluffing of the lines by one of the teams. They almost bring out the best in each other, and I hope they play in a final. I'd, I would watch those two clubs on Family Feud. <laughs> um, ben Allen, good of uh, former Hawthorne Premiership player Ben Allen to chime in. Hot Alistair Clarkson. Um, what do you think about Clarkson's coaching effort on Saturday? Well, do you think that that was pivotal in? No, I don't. But I, I think I think Ben's getting at generally the way it's been one of the most successful rebuilds on the fly we've yeah. ever seen, hasn't it? Well, in fact, a... you, it's not a rebuild, is it? It's a it's a 
what do you call it? A, a remake? Uh, what do you call it when you sort of don't do the full reno on your house? You just sort of spruce up one room. Oh, I don't know. I've never been able to afford. I was going to say, what do you call it? Reality, not enough money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I just and I said earlier on when we talked about the game that they've stuck to the script of playing young players. They have not. They have not. Um, or Clarko has not battered and changed the overall plan, which I think is a couple of years down the track, because this year is now attainable. Mm. So, oh yeah, look, he's... Don't forget, he's still got Sicily to come back into that lineup. Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, that's a scaphoid is a serious injury, and it, you know, if he misses a week or two of the finals, that might be all that Hawthorne can offer. Remember, this side had to say goodbye to Cyril during the year, which was not budgeted for. Burgoyne has missed a lot of the year. Now McAvoy is missing. There seems to always be key players not playing. But they just overcome it. And they did yeah. that. One of those three, three per years, I think it might have been the middle one, they overcame a heap of injuries as well. No, the years of Bruce, Gunston and Smith have yeah. been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Their senior players are the most dependable in the competition. Yeah. All right, not. Um, and this is a sort of a general one, and we've touched on it a bit, but... It's good teams losing key players because I think mm. that, unfortunately, might end up costing us a very competitive September. I've got to be honest. I, the way I see it at the moment, the reverse Bradbury, I think Richmond are going to waltz away with this flag the way it's looking. Collingwood, their injury list had 15 guys on it um, when yeah. I looked at the other night, and at least 10 of them were in their best 22. Yes. West Coast, you've lost Nat Nui, you've now lost Gaff. Question marks about Kennedy and how good he's going to be when he gets back. They can't win it without those three, I don't think. The other defender, the... Um... Oh, um, uh, Schofield. Yeah, the old reliable. Yep. Uh, GWS, they've had as many injuries as anyone, and now, you know, no Scully, no Patton, no Williams. And no Ruckman. I mean, uh, really. uh, Dawson Simpson, and now Shaw's gone for six weeks. Yep. Don't think they can win it without at least a couple of them in the lineup. Port Adelaide, Charlie Dixon gone for the year. Ryder, big question marks about his durability. Um, where does it end? I, I think any chance we had of a side giving Richmond a run for its money when it counts is disappearing into the medical room with this cavalcade of injuries to key players finding. And I think the season uh, will be, at the pointy end, poorer for that. I think Mark's Melbourne is disappointing. I know Viney has missed Well, they've had injuries too. Uh, Hibbert. Well, um, who they else? Viney and Hibbert. Yeah, I'm Melcham now. Melcham. Yeah, and uh, Joel Smith, who came in okay. into that defence. Yeah. yeah, look, all teams have been affected. Yeah. North probably have had the best run. Yep. Even Richmond's lost a few. Yep. And but Richmond's are all coming back. Yeah, that's right. All right, your turn. Uh, not. This is a real hard one to... Uh, wrap your mind around and Alex Johnson oh, yeah. look in a way it's a hot as well because well done for Sydney to be able to have him back in the team but incredibly in a game and a bit of a quarter he actually showed how valuable he was Yeah, he started the game really well again against Melbourne was pivotal last week in that fantastic win and I think he I think he would be really appreciative of the fact that he says goodbye and does that sixth knee in the AFL, not the kneeful, in front of 50 people. And Oh, so you're saying, like, is that it? Is that definitely it for him? Yeah. It's his good knee, though. Great. How, uh, how, well, much, how much can the poor bloke go through? Yeah, well... Because all that loading, it affects... Yeah. It affects the body, and I think Sydney have been wonderfully loyal to him, mm. but they now have to free that spot up, and... Wow. Yeah, when you I heard mean, the news, it was like, oh, no, you no, that's not fair. Well, they interviewed, I saw uh, Dane Rampey interviewed at the end of the game. He said you could hear this collective sigh around the ground because yep. every, as it sunk in, what, what had Melbourne happened. Melbourne players were, yeah. were, were sort of equally upset and, and devastated by it. Yeah. There was a suggestion on the field that a couple of their players had asked Sydney players in the second quarter. Is it true? And they, yeah, yeah. they passed on their best wishes. Yeah. Actually, there was a good moment like that with, uh, was it Eddie Betts going up to, who got cut yeah. off on the stretcher? Yeah, was that's right. Josh um, Kelly? Um, it might have been Heath Shaw. Oh, it was Heath Shaw. You're right. Yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, no, the, the anyway, a look, all we can say is if he could come back from a sixth Rico, it would be a minor miracle. But, um, you know, geez, at least he knows what he's going to have to go through. But yep. no, good call. 
um, in football terms, a real tragedy. All right, I'm going to finish off with a hot. And uh, Western Bulldogs, finally. Prior to the last fortnight, they had lost nine out of ten games. Looked to just be having a dismal, dismal year. Uh, last week, they were five goals down against your blokes before yep. half time. Turned that around and finished in a blaze of glory. Yep. And they kept that going this week again after going five goals down. Brilliant tactical move by Beveridge because in most of those nine games that they lost, they were winning by three or four goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I don't Stop think it, leading early. Well, I don't think it was deliberate. <laughs> um, it, it's a great achievement when you have a look at the casualty list. No Liberatore, Boyd, Dowhouse, Dale, Picken, Redpath, Wood or Suckling. There's eight, pl- uh, sound six, eight players all in their best 22. Well, maybe not. Well, they've really got something out of this year, which is my next point. Yep. Ed Richards, been wonderful debut yes. year from him. Aaron Norton, he is a long-term key defender, really liking yep. it. Lipinski has showed a bit. Billy Gowes has shown a bit. He can be part of that best 22. And another one today, I really am impressed with this kid. Didn't kick straight, but Fergus Green, he's a smart footballer. Gets to the right spots. Brilliant um, burst out of a pack and, and turn around onto his left foot, I think, in the first quarter, I think. Um, but he's another one who really shows a bit. And really, for a player that had come to the Bulldogs with no goodwill in terms of fans thinking anything of him or players or respect, Shaky's done all right. Yeah, no, I, th- I meant to mention him during the hour review of that game, actually. I thought he, he did some really nice things today, yeah. and there were a few moments where he was really hard at it. Yeah. One in the last quarter, too, where he, he laid a really strong tackle. So he's much maligned. I, I think he's starting to repay a bit of faith as well. They will rebound. Is it fair to say that he would have had no respect from teammates or opponents? And No, not a lot. And he's, he's earned... A lot this year. Yeah, He's no, a lot back. Good yeah, on him. yeah, no, good on him. And I, I think the doggies are right back in the mix um, for next year. I'm going, finish finish, I'm going to finish with a not. You know, the score review system. You hate it, but it's it's often highlighted at key moments in big games with close finishes. No, you see, I. So hang on, is this a hot or a not? Not okay. The two worst score reviews of the year happened on the weekend, but they just happened in games that didn't matter too much. So the first was Essendon St Kilda, and Essendon player had a shot of goal that just missed the goals. You know, it was maybe three foot into the points. They reviewed it for out of bounds on the full. <laughs> and when you looked at the review, it was the most embarrassing review of all time. But Ray Chamberlain was able to supersede that on Saturday night. Now, which, yeah, I did see that. Was that the... Um... GWS... Adelaide, yeah. Yeah. He what, called, what touched. Going, what's going on there? Touched. Score review. Yeah. Let's review. Is he arguing with himself? Does he not trust himself? Does he not believe his own decision? What was that all about? I don't know. The, the, the best was how it was handled by the person up in the third, you know, the third umpire. Well, they didn't mess around with the they review, They just put they? the point up. It was like, we're not even going to look at this. What, what are you... Do you reckon they should have got... Who I don't know who does the graphics. They, they should have got them to write up uh, Turn It Up Ray or something like that. Well, on the weekend, we had the debut of the new... Um, is it NAB football with the little kids? Oh, the ads. Yeah. 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 So they should have done something with Ray, <laughs> a little Ray. There was a good moment, actually, in that game where um, when uh, Josh Kelly was getting taken off and Ray bantering with the players, various players on the side and sharing their drink bottles and stuff. There was a great moment, really well umpired by... Um, du Bois, the who's the on Friday night Essendon St Kilda, the umpire. Yeah, what's oh, his God, name? I don't know. <laughs> du Bois. Yeah, I think Du Bois is his name. Which boy? That's anyhow. He paid a free kick against an Essendon player in the forward line, um, and I, I think it was Zach Merritt, or I'm not sure who the player was, but he he said, "Come on, how about last week?" And he goes, I'm not worried about last week. I'm just worried about this decision, mate. That, that's, let's just, you know, I'm just happy with this well, one. Well, you just remind me of something Ray Chamberlain said. He, he went, Phil Davis was getting narky with um, Tex Walker. Yeah. And uh, Ray, Ray says to him, 
you know that favour you asked me to do that I did early in the game? Well, now I'm asking you to do one. Just walk away. So yeah. everyone immediately said, hang on, what was that favour you <laughs> Phil Davis asked him to do? <laughs> no, that's good. You can be humorous. No, no, I like Ray is a really yeah. Yeah, I like lovely him. guy. Yeah. And I think I think the players the players actually really like him a lot. We got a question out of this. Uh, David says, Rowan, that spinning turn by James Warple might have reminded you of Leon Baker's goal in the 84 grand final. Uh, no, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's... Uh, it wasn't that good, mate. It wasn't that, nothing is that good. And it happened against Hawthorne, which made it all the more sweeter. Um, all right, that is hot or not for this week. Finey, can only mean one thing, Finey. Are you ready for this we've, week's... We've got to it. Okay, it is time now for the Rent Off! All right, Fonny. You know how that, that saying, uh, don't shit in your own nest? I've heard of it. Well, I'm about to do it. Copious amounts. I'm taking out some of our own. Okay. Count me in. Three, two, one. I'm pissed off with the media, Finey, again. Now, I know we do a Media Watch segment every Thursday on our podcast, but I'm not sure it's enough. We could do a twice-daily update these days and still not cover all the atrocities the major media organisations are committing. Sky News is giving neo-Nazis airtime, for God's sake. Channel 10's just launched a program with Kyle Bloody Sandlins, of all people, as a judge of other people's morality. And newspaper websites are just an ocean of clickbait. And don't think the football media is immune. Do we really no longer find the games themselves interesting enough to talk about for more than five seconds before we're desperately trying to drum up some faux controversy? I was watching another Hawthorne-Geelong epic on Saturday, finally. A fantastic game again. It goes right down to the wire. Finals chances are on the line. What do you reckon the lead story on one website was not ten minutes after the finish? What do you reckon it was? Well, it had to be... Geelong's final chances. No, no, it wasn't that the Cats might miss out in the finals or that Hawthorne might end up finishing in the top four. It was a tweet by Kane Corns about something Chris Scott said last week. Was that really the most newsworthy angle they could come up with? Sometimes I think newspaper editors have got the attention spans of toddlers. Hey, look at that unicorn. It's just as well the grand final draw between Collingwood and St Kilda in 2010 was back then and not now. You know what they would have gone with that day? The burst pipes that meant both teams had to go to the old sheds after the game. Dressing room debacle, health and safety outrage, they'd say. Then a little blob paragraph at the end. Oh, by the way, the Pies and Saints will play off for the Premiership again next week. It's not a bad game, you know, media executives. It's pretty exciting. There's plenty of upsets, close finishes, even the odd high score. I just wish the people running media organisations now could extract their heads from their asses long enough to work out that's what people actually want to hear about. That was good, but you are part of the media. Yeah, I'm, I'm part of the media, but I'm part of the solution. Are we the minor media? Yeah, I, unfortunately, my solution's a violent one. There is uh, much right in what you said. Much. I mean, really, and don't get me wrong here, I'm not having a go at Kane Corns. He's entitled to tweet whatever he wants. But, I mean, seriously, 10 minutes after the game, a great game, big ramifications, and you're talking about a tweet? For God's sake! Yeah, I'm not sure we've got a. I'm not sure we've got a, a strong depth of deep football knowledge in the ranks of our football journalists nowadays. I'm not sure we've got a much depth of journalistic knowledge among yeah, I'm the saying, I'm journalists saying, these days. You know, that combined with a deep understanding of football, ex-footballers have limitations, and young up-and-comers might be ambitious, but they're looking to break stories rather than give us good, deep analysis of football games. Analysis? What's that? All right, I'm going to count you in. Anal wisis. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, hang on, was it Seinfeld with the uh, the proctologist had the number plate? Was that Seinfeld? Yes, it was. Not my favourite. Did you ever watch Arrested Development? I love Arrested Development. So... Um, oh, that? anal rapist. Yes. <laughs> I'm, the first, Tobias. I'm the first analyst, <laughs> therapist in... 
on the West Coast. Oh, I love Here's Arrested my card. Development. I love Arrested Development. All right, I'm going to count you Tobias Funky, anal rape. Three, <laughs> two, one, rant. Well, this is a real rant, Rowan. The what do you mean? Well, this is a real one. This is a one-eyed, biased St Kilda rant. Oh, okay. I haven't done one this year. All right. Look, I understand on Saturday night, Friday night, the game between Essendon and St Kilda was a mismatch, and Essendon the far better team. St Kilda got off to a, a fairly promising start and things were on an even keel before ex-Collingwood man Nathan Brown mistimed his steps and he clobbered illegally with a bump, took out Adam Sard. Now, this caused great indignation at the ground, mainly Essendon supporters, but there's no send-off rule in football, mate. This had to be sorted out and will be sorted out at the tribunal on Tuesday night. Not for the umpires involved. They seemed to feel that some great injustice had occurred. With Goddard already off and their punishment of that particular incident actually not taking place at all. In fact, after that bump, St Kilda scored a goal because there was play on, advantage, and St Kilda ended up shooting the goal. All that did was infuriate the Bomber supporters and for the rest of the game, three lily-livered umpires played to the crowd, they had a villain, that was St Kilda, and they had the unfairly treated Bombers. When that incident occurred, the free kick count was four to St Kilda, three to Essendon. Of the next 25 free kicks, 22 of them were paid to Essendon. A ridiculous free kick to Aaron Francis for getting nudged in the back by Ben Long and 50 metre penalty. That was ridiculous. Am I saying that St Kilda would have won the game? No, I'm not. St Kilda couldn't beat eggs with a whisk at the moment. And Essendon were the right winners. But that does not exonerate these umpires from being judge and jury and deciding that they would punish St Kilda and appeal to the crowd. And you know what proved this all to be correct? Very late in the game, when it's all done and dusted, Rowan Marshall got a free kick in the St Kilda goal square for being tackled or in the marking contest, uh, taken out of the contest. Essendon supporters were up in arms and around Etihad Stadium sang a chorus or rang out a chorus of bullshit, bullshit. And you know what? Essendon supporters were right because they had umpired the last three quarters of football and 25 decisions. So for the umpires not to listen to them then was bullshit, bullshit, no, weak umpire. That it was, was weak. That was certainly one odd. You know, it's not about the numbers of free kicks. Oh no! Look, You're an umpire yourself. Yeah, it's not about the numbers, and it was not about the result. This and then were way too good. St Kilda shot themselves. I'll tell in the you foot. what. I sat in the crowd on Friday night, last chance to use my reserve seats, and uh, it could have been the noise of affirmation finally because I couldn't see a St Kilda supporter anywhere. Yeah, Has I, there ever been a game in Melbourne? Play with as few yeah, yeah, there fans many. of one club. And, and that means that the umpires need to be on their metal. But surely they're intelligent enough to know that the stupidity, when St Kilda kicked that goal, Billings had a set shot after the Sard incident yeah. and kicked a beautiful goal. And the crowd went berserk. They didn't understand. They, they you know, wanted a free kick down the other end of the ground, but that's not how the game played out. And then the umpires straight away paid two or three free kicks and a 50-metre penalty to... Francis for a goal as though to say, yes, that's wrong. Billings, you know, umpire the game properly. Piss week. All right, very quickly, because I didn't ask you earlier, um, does St Kilda need to redo their list again? No, not entirely. Okay, they'll do. Uh, does but Alan, they need to get a couple of players. Does Alan Richardson keep his job and should he? Oh, yeah, that is much harder. Oh, He's got another two years. Yeah, uh, they're going to back him. They're going to try and do a Richmond and improve the people around him. And I've got to say, St Kilda ha- are not as bad as their results and they've got no confidence or belief. And when there is a game to take, they don't take it. And that buck stops with the coach. So should he keep his job? I like him too much to answer that. <laughs> um, I refuse to answer on the grounds I may incriminate myself. Yeah, look, I, this is a year where so many of the things that go wrong are out of his control that I would, I would appoint him next year and let him coach next year, but let's hope the fix is not in. Gee, they've, got, they've got a lot of young blokes that aren't progressing that much, I reckon. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, no, no, you're right. You're yeah, right. I, I, no, some problems there. All right, any some. more comments, Mr Music? Random stuff. 
Random. Yeah, go on. Give us a random one. Jaso oh, says, I can, I can, I who's can the most that. reprehensible member of KISS? I was never a huge KISS fan, Jaso, but finally you were. Absolutely unimpressed by KISS. They're a, a, oh, so you weren't. Oh, they're, you know, they're a pantomime band. Yeah, yeah. Similar riffs in all their songs. They wore makeup. They're a joke. Greg says, listening in Barcelona, good to get a real footy fix instead of the rubbish they play here. Oh, you're tough on Barca, Greg. They're pretty good to watch. Bastards, they are. Did you say Barca? Barca. Hey, let's wrap this up. West Ham are about to kick their season off against Liverpool. Oh, I saw, um, did you see uh, Spurs beat Newcastle 2-1? Two one. You yeah. see the nutmeg, uh, Deli yeah. Ali? Yep. And final one, Mark. Is it true Hawks and Tigers have never played in a final? Yes, it is. And that may and very tell well you, be rectified. I can tell you the year they haven't played. <laughs> They've never played. But they have played on Grand Final Day, Mark. Do you remember that? They played on Grand Final Day in the Reserves Grand Final? Uh, 1977, replay, Grand Final replay. Mm-hmm. They put on a curtain raiser between really? Hawthorne and Richmond. I mean, just on that, it is one of the sport's great oddities. Because when you consider that in 67 and 69, Richmond won the flag. Yep. In 71, Hawthorne won the flag. Yep. In 72 and 73, Richmond played in Grand Finals. Yep. Uh, they won missed it, the finals. They so won in 73, years. 74. Yep. By 75, Hawthorne are back winning grand finals, 76. Then Richmond are back in 80. They're, they're winning. Their they're paths haven't collided. I'll tell you when they it's came amazing. close, we were going to go for three hours. No, so that's good. That's one of my favourite Well, we were, a, we were a goal away from them playing in a grand final in 1974. Yep. Uh, North beat Hawthorne by five points in the preliminary final. An interesting fact. I think we should wrap it up on that. Totally irrelevant note. Um, How many grand finals has Essendon won? 15. 14. Oh, is there two? They didn't play grand final. Yeah. What was it? Oh, 1924. Yep. You got me. All right. I uh, hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Hope you enjoyed your weekend of football. Hope you enjoy the rest of the season. No. Oh, I've got a great trivia question for you. May your football be good football. Next week. You've got to throw your papers. And good night.